Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, it's another episode of the Believe in Padres Prospects Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. It's episode 36, there's no Wade, and it appears we've hit a little bit of a lull in the coronavirus, at least. Um, There's been news every day about more things getting shut down, and since so many things have been shut down, I feel like the last couple of days we've gotten a breather from crazy news of things happening, at least. Um, We'll see what happens the rest of the week, but for now, everyone's in lockdown, the governor is... I think shut down all non-essential business as of a couple of days ago. Stay at home is in effect. So what else do we have to do besides podcast, huh? On today's show, we've got another guest. It is James Anderson, lead prospect analyst and assistant baseball editor at Rotowire. This is one of the go-to guys in the fantasy industry. He's really big into his prospects. Um, so if you play fantasy, if you're interested in prospects, with regard to fantasy, you play in some deep leagues maybe, or you just are interested in some of the, the up and coming guys around the league. Um, we're also going to talk about some Potter guys. Obviously he's a really great Twitter follow. So I encourage you to follow him on Twitter at real J R Anderson. Before we get to him, super excited about a new sponsor for the show. Their second week sponsoring us. That's true. Classic tees. Style is changing, formal wear is out, and the t-shirt is in. I love True Classic Tees. They're based in LA in a t-shirt company that is definitely on the rise. Their t-shirts are soft. They hold up in the wash. They're incredibly versatile. You can wear them out. You can wear them to work. You can wear them around the house, which I know we're all going to be doing a lot of the next few months. Although I'm not wearing my best t-shirts around the house. I'm trying to reserve the around the house shirts for um, you know my old ratty shitty t-shirts. The best part, they're incredibly cheap, only 15 bucks, and now you can get them for even less. Go to trueclassictees.com and use the code at checkout believe, B-L-E-A-V, for 20% off. That's believe, B-L-E-A-V, at trueclassictees.com. So let's get to James Anderson. All right, so joining the show now is James Anderson. Lead prospect analyst, assistant baseball editor at RotoWire, the co-host of Farm Fridays on Sirius XM Radio, and the RotoWire Prospect Podcast. That's a mouthful, James. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it's a lot of a lot of different tasks, kind of crammed into forty plus hours a week. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Follow him on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. Um, want to thank you again for coming on today. I know it's a crazy time for everybody and this is, I guess you could say the golden age of prospect interviews because that's what everybody, that's all we can do now is prospect hosts is try to get guests on to talk and there, there's really no sports on. So are you going through like a, a full withdrawal yet from baseball? How are you holding up without baseball? Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a golden age of podcasts really. Uh, oh, everyone's getting one now. It's the cool thing to do. It's, it's, yeah, uh, it's it's also kind of a golden age of dynasty startup drafts because everyone just has that itch and they want to uh, do something to pass the time and drafting seems like a good idea. I Yeah, I mean, it, it really sucks. It, it's definitely obviously affecting uh, 
most companies right now, we don't, you know, we obviously cover sports at RotoWire and there's no sports to cover right now for the most part. So uh, definitely sucks, but I mean, it, you know, kind of takes a backseat to the bigger picture. I mean, I just, I hope that, uh, you know, everyone is, I'm sure a lot of people are affected by this and it really sucks, but I mean, I just hope everyone's able to try to stay as safe as possible. What do you, what would you say you enjoy most writing or doing a podcast slash radio? Uh, I think, you know, I've, I've always been a writer. Uh, honestly, I think what I enjoy the most is just the process of, of ranking prospects, uh, then writing about those rankings. And then, you know, I like podcasting. I like doing the radio. Uh, but, to me, I, I like to just, you know, listen to some music and, and dig in on prospects and write about them and, and work on my rankings. That's probably my favorite thing to do. I do uh, a Padres top 30 here, just kind of solo. And we released it on our website and I, I tweeted out um, a couple times a year. We do that. And I have to say, starting from scratch, uh, a list is not a, an enjoyable task for me at all. I, I feel like it's a very daunting task because we do a little write up on each guy also. And I don't know, figuring out, I don't know, a top, what do you guys do? A top 400 at RotoWire? Yeah, we do the top 400 overall, and then uh, each team we do a top 20. I'm impressed. So are you, you would say you're more of a prospect guy than a traditional just baseball, cover, a base guy that covers baseball? Uh, yeah, I mean, prospect's definitely kind of my specialty. I, I really, really enjoy playing uh fantasy baseball i love watching baseball i'm a brewers fan i live in uh, madison wisconsin um i i mean i love playing fantasy baseball that that's probably what is the biggest bummer for me personally about this is that i have all these teams that i drafted during the offseason and uh just who knows when any of any of the games will start but um you know i love ranking prospects because like like you said it is it is a daunting task uh, but when you're able to devote as much time to it as, as I am, it's it's also really kind of a rewarding process once you get done with that daunting task and you can kind of uh, just kind of reflect back on what you finished and what you worked on and everything. It, it can be really rewarding. I'm a pretty big fantasy guy myself. I do a 12-team dynasty league with um, 50 minors involved, 50 minor league players per team. And then I do a, a best ball league, which I just joined this year through fan tracks and prospects live is handling that for us. And uh, that's 30 teams with 50 man rosters. And that was going to be our first season this year. So I'm disappointed that's not in. And I do like one seasonal league, just a redraft league with some friends. How many leagues do you do per year? Uh, this year I was going to be up to around 15. Wow. So, uh, last year I think I had 13. Um, yeah, uh, you know, love drafting. I love working on my own projections and then, um, you know, drafting off of those. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really fun game to play. It's, it's one of those games where you kind of have to be all in. You can't be sort of a half-ass fantasy baseball manager. You're not going to be able to put in the amount of hours you'd put into, like, fantasy football. You really have to uh, put in the work, but it can be a lot of fun. I'm into weekly leagues now. I, when I was younger, it was only daily. And now I feel like weekly has gotten more popular. And for people that play fantasy football and who don't want to get into baseball, they complain about the daily aspect of it. But um, now yeah, with, 
I'm a big I, weekly I don't, guy. I don't, I'm a weekly guy too. I, I didn't necessarily mean it in terms of the day, daily stuff. Like I, I'm in a couple daily leagues, but they are leagues that I sort of wish were weekly. Uh, yeah. It's to me, it's the, the difference is the player pool. Like you have to know uh, 500, 600 guys to be a good fantasy baseball player. Whereas football, you really only have to know like 130 guys. So it's just the, the knowledge that you need to have of the entire player pool is just so, so vast. You ready to do some baseball stuff? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I was reading, uh, and this may or may not be true, who knows, um, but the Dodgers were considering not just giving second base to Gavin Lux when the season started. Have you heard anything about that? Does it, is it sound real to you? And is that as crazy to you as it is to me that they would even consider just setting and forgetting Lux at second base? Uh, you know, it, it sort of reminds me of the Diamondbacks saying that Zach Allen isn't guaranteed a rotation spot. Uh, you know, sometimes you'll just hear stuff and you have to have your BS meter on and, and just sort of try to figure out exactly how real that is. In this specific case, I think uh, they want Lux to go out there and just be the clear top guy and win that job that way rather than just handing it to him if in spring training, like it, if, if he's not playing better than Chris Taylor or Matt Beatty or Enrique Hernandez or something, I, I don't necessarily think they want to just hand him the job. Uh, if he, if he didn't go out and earn it, but I, I certainly think that they, in a perfect world, he would earn that job and he would be their opening day, second baseman. Uh, I don't think there's a 0% chance that he opens here in the minors, but he's my, I think he's the second best prospect in baseball behind Wander Franco. And I, I just think he's going to force the issue with his bat uh, sooner than later. Do you think the Dodgers in general are just, they're a really smart organization. They're deep at every level. Do you think they're a little too cautious with their prospects? Maybe not just in terms of advancing them to the majors, but with trades and potentially picking up um, useful pieces uh, during the off season. I've always I've been talking to my my Dodger friends about this, and um, they seem like they're they're really attached to their top prospects, which is a good thing. But they're afraid to move some other pieces in order to improve the major league lineup. Did you get that feeling from them at all? Yeah, you know, I think it it was probably a much bigger issue uh, two or three years ago uh, when Andrew Friedman was sort of new in that job. Uh, they really hoarded prospects. They kind of refused to trade anyone that they viewed as a part of their future. Like they, they had opportunities to trade Alex Verdugo back when he was still a prospect and they never did. And then they ended up kind of selling a little low on him uh, this off season. I think as they've gotten really close and been unable to cash in that world series these past couple of years, I think that that's led to them being willing to trade a guy like Verdugo and a guy like Jeter Downs, uh, this off season, but yeah, I mean, they, they definitely hoard prospects, but I, I would say that most teams do. I mean, th there just aren't many teams that are willing to part with their top prospects these days. Like you see a team like the Reds trade Taylor Trammell to the, the Padres. And I, I kind of tip my hat to the Reds for being willing to, to make such, uh, that kind of a move just because I think the mo most teams would not be willing to do that. And you just see it kind of across the league. So I think the Dodgers, it's very much sort of heightened in terms of people being aware of it because of how close they are to winning a world series. And it's like every piece could count in that. And their bullpen has kind of been a weak spot. It's, it seems like every year, uh, the past few years, but, 
Uh, I would say that kind of applies to every team. Let's say we have a, a major league baseball season this year at some point, and that it's a hundred games long. The, I, I could, I could see that really benefiting a lot of the young pitchers who are maybe making their debuts this season. So I'm thinking like Dustin May or Jesus Lazardo. Um, and, and older guys too, it'll benefit who are coming off of injury, like Justin Verlander, who needs six weeks. And um, do you think not having that innings restriction on some of these guys, maybe specifically like Luzardo, who we expect great things kind of from day one, um, not having a restriction on them, they can go full bore from day one through the playoffs. Does that help a lot of these younger players? It could be a weird year for that. Yeah, I think that's dead on. Uh, I think Luzardo is like the prototypical case, uh, Julio Urias with the Dodgers comes to mind. Luke Weaver with the Diamondbacks. Uh, yeah. Nate Pearson. I mean, all these guys where it was kind of like, yeah, they'll probably throw around 145 innings. Uh, now 145 innings could be the entire season. I mean, like Lozardo could be a dark horse AL Cy Young guy. Uh, if he's, you know, if, if he's only trails, whoever leads the league in innings by, 15 or 20 innings, which could be possible depending on how they end up setting the schedule. Uh, he could be the best guy on a, on a per start basis. So I think you're dead on with that. Is there anyone you're dying to just get a shot at regular playing time? Maybe someone that's been really frustrating the last couple of years that was, you know, a, a moderately favored prospect coming up and got a job and has performed decently. So I'm thinking examples are like Garrett Hampson for me. I would love to just see get a job somewhere. Miles Straw is a guy who's some of his tools I really like, and we just like to see what he can do if he got a full time job. Are there any guys for you like that where you you're just dying for 500 at bats from someone? I think Miles Straw is a really good call. Uh, I think he could just be really dynamic as an everyday player. Um, what he does in terms of on base hit tool, speed, defense. Uh, you know, he's not going to hit for power, but I think he could just be a real awesome throwback leadoff hitter. Uh, one guy that I'm just really frustrated with just how he's been handled is Nate Lowe with the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, I, I understand it kind of from their standpoint where he's not a good defender. They already have all the like G man Choi, uh, Jose Martinez, they, they have a bunch of guys that kind of do what he does. So he doesn't have a clear path, but I'm just, a little annoyed that they go out and bring in Yoshi Sutsugo and Jose Martinez, like further block, like low was less blocked last year than he is this year. And I really believe in him as a guy that can hit lefties and righties. And I just don't really see him getting that chance anytime soon in Tampa Bay. So that's, that's one guy where I really think he could benefit a ton from getting traded to more of a rebuilding team. I'm going to read something here and you tell me what you think about it. If you're drafting off projections and you're not projected to have the best team in your league by those same projections, you really fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, I no was, que I no was... question there. Just love the tweet. And do you want to elaborate on any of that or do you just want to move along? Well, it's just, it's really lame to me when people, uh, you know, people track projections when they're doing a draft sometimes. And it's, there's nothing lamer to me than being like, see these say that I had the best draft. I'm projected to win the league. Like, yeah, you, you should be. If, you, if you're if you using the same projections you drafted off to run the standings, uh, that's that's not an accomplishment. And to clarify things for people listening, that was a tweet from James Anderson a couple days ago. Um, <laughs> among players who had breakouts last year, 
maybe not all of them were ro- a couple of them were rookies, and then so like Keston Hira, Jordan Alvarez, um, and Cattell Marte, who was not a rookie, but Marcus Semien, not a rookie. Who do you think is most affected by a change in the baseball and a change in the baseball, maybe back to what it used to be a couple years ago? And of that group, maybe who do you think was the most for real? Okay. Uh, a couple guys that come to mind for me, uh, both actually have in terms of guys who are going to be negatively affected by, by the baseball returning to normal. And they actually are both on the angels. Uh, Tommy Listella and Anthony Rendon. I think Listella, that power spike that he saw last year was really, really uh, a byproduct of the, of the baseball, uh, especially a guy like that who uh, uses the whole field. You know, I think he, I mean, he hit 16 home runs in 80 games last year. I think he might have hit eight with a normal baseball. And then Anthony Rendon, obviously a really, really good player, uh, you know, great hit tool. But, you know, he went from 20 homers, to 25 homers, 24 homers, then he hit 34 last year. I think some of those were wall scrapers to the opposite field. I would project him to be well under 30 home runs this year if they go back to normal baseball. And then uh, Kettle, Kettle Marte is a pretty good one, too. I mean, I think he, he could certainly regress from a power standpoint. Uh, there's, uh, there's nothing fake about Keston Hira's power. Uh, I think he, no matter what the baseball is, he's going to hit for power. Uh, he's just, he hits it really, really hard. It gets out in a hurry. He hits them out on lines. He hits them, you know, above the batter's eye to center. I mean, he's, the power is extremely legit with him. So I don't, I don't really see him being affected. I was wondering if you're going to get to Hira. You left him for last as the, as the Brewers guy, I expected a lot of Hira love. Do you think he still runs at the major league level? And are you worried at all about his strikeouts going forward? Uh, the only thing I'm worried about with him is his defense, which is atrocious. And it's at, it's just, it's really weird when you have a second baseman who's that bad of a defender, because it's, you know, it's one of the easiest positions to play, uh, especially in the infield. I mean, it's a position that I played. I mean, I, and I, not a not a great defensive fielder and uh he just he cannot make uh regular throws like he when the brewers drafted him they kind of had a decision of whether whether to have him go tommy john surgery or to just kind of rehab and rest and and go that route and they opted to go that route but his arm has just never been uh the same i mean he just he airmails the easiest throws to the first baseman it's it's really frustrating to watch he's He's not that bad at, at picking it, but uh, just a, a horrific uh, thrower at second base. So that's that's the big hole in his game. He re- he really kind of needs to be a designated hitter. So whenever the DH comes to the National League, I think that that's where he'll end up for them. Uh, the strikeouts, yeah, I mean they're they're probably going to be a part of his game for for a while. But I think he's a, he's the type of guy that can do a ton of damage even with a high strikeout rate. And then the stolen bases, I, I was kind of surprised by how much he run, ran last year. He might be able to do that uh, again this year and maybe in 2021, but I think eventually he'll be more of kind of a four to five steel guy. Hey, we need to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll get into some pottery stuff. Taking a quick break to talk about one of the new sponsors to the show. That's LinkedIn. 
The perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. And the only place to find the perfect hire is on LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has over 675 million members worldwide. LinkedIn jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for. So you can hire the right person fast. LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of the qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight seconds with LinkedIn and why companies rated LinkedIn jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash team. Again, that's linkedin.com slash team to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Let's get back to the interview with James Anderson. All right, we got to do some Padres talk here, obviously. Who would you like to see win the second base job for the Padres? So they've got a whole bunch of options. Ty France is in there, Jerks and Profar. They brought in Brian Dozier late, which was really confusing to a lot of us. And we're assuming Dozier gets plenty of work against lefties at the beginning of the season, at least until, you know, he decides that he's not, he's, he's old and not very good. So maybe that could impact the, the, him later or sooner rather than later. Is there a guy in that group or a guy I didn't mention that you w- would like to see uh, just take away, just run away with second base? Uh, I guess jerks and Profar. Um you still have hope yeah. for Profar, or you're on the Profar hope train. I, yeah, I, I'm not really on the hope train for <laughs> any of those guys. Um, you know, my my really out-of-the-box idea that I think would be fascinating to see how it would work would be for them to move uh, Fernando Tatis to center field and then uh, do Jake Cronin work or Manny Machado at shortstop and then maybe like Ty France or something at third base uh, just because I, I don't think they have a competent big league center fielder on the roster right now. So I, I just think that that would be a fascinating move. I think Tatis could provide just as much value in center as he does at shortstop, but I, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So given the options, I mean, I'd love to see Jake Cronenworth get regular playing time or at least semi-regular playing time, but he just sort of seems buried to me and I think he'd be a really good defensive second baseman. So he would be kind of my out of the box name. Uh, Esteban Quiroz as well as another guy that I'm, I'm in, intrigued by a little, but uh, of the very realistic options that are probably going to be on the big league roster, I think Profar is probably my favorite. So nothing for Ty France and you are totally out on Trent Grisham. It sounds like. I love Trent Grisham. I just don't think he's a center fielder. Okay. I, I think I think if you put Trent Grisham and Tommy Pham in your corners, and then you have a good center fielder in between them, your defense is going to be really good. Okay, so there is a little love for Trent Grisham. There's a lot of irrational confidence in Trent Grisham here for a guy who kind of had a slow start to his minor league career, and then kind of didn't do a whole lot last year. And what I the only thing we remember him for on the show, at least, is the ball he overran in the wild card game against the Nationals, and they lost the game because of it. So I, I don't really understand the love for Grisham. I get there's optimism about him, but like, what's his best case scenario? Like a, a 250 hitter with a 340 on base and like a, a handful of home runs and stolen bases? Well, I think the excitement comes from what he did at AA and AAA last year, probably. Uh, you're right. Like, I mean, if we're just going off what he did in the majors, it wasn't all that impressive, but uh, he's got a real, like that 26% strikeout rate he had in the big leagues, that's going to come way down. Um, I don't exactly know where it's going to settle, but 
you know, he's going to walk over 10% of the time. I think he eventually strikes out under 20% of the time. And I think maybe like 260 with a 350, 360 OBP is kind of the what you're really hoping for with him. Um, power. Yeah, it's probably not going to be 30 homer power. I, he could be a 20 to 25 homer guy, though, I think, over a full season. He he adjusted his grip last year. Uh, back in high school, he used to have uh, kind of an unorthodox sort of golf grip on the bat. Uh, and the Brewers, for whatever reason, made him change that after they drafted him. And then they let him go back to that last season. And then and that's where he really took off. He was... You know, 150 WRC plus a double A, 194 WRC plus a triple A. I mean, he was just absolutely on fire in the upper levels of the minors last year. So I think that's where the excitement should come from. Do you have a favorite Padres prospect not named Gore, Patino, or Abrams? I, let's see, let me pull up my my Padres list. Um, Gotta consult the list. You can't just go off the top of your head. There's no, there's no guy. You, well, there's just so many to choose from. You know, there are a lot. Um, right? <laughs> there's a lot. I, I really like. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go down the list a little bit. I mean, obviously, that you know who like the top ten guys are. But yeah, let's um, go down. I I really like Ishmael Mena, who they signed. That's really uh, down. July two. Okay. Uh, and then I. I like Owen Miller uh, a decent amount for what he is. Like, I, I understand that Owen Miller doesn't have a super high ceiling, uh, but I love the hit tool. I love the intangibles. He's, he's a real gamer. I think he can play second base and third base solidly. I think he can hit for a high average. I think he can get on base at a pretty high clip. Uh, it's just a question of whether he hits for enough power to – profile at those two positions um i think there's a chance that he could uh and then mena uh, you know reggie preciado seems to get uh, most of the buzz from that uh j2 class yeah. i think mena has just as high of a ceiling if not uh if not a higher ceiling especially offensively i think he could just turn into a big time power speed guy um so those are a couple lower list guys i mean they have, they have a ton of guys to get excited about so it's tough to pick when do you think taylor trammell gets a shot are you are you a taylor trammell guy i know the last until late last year he kind of was having um a couple bad seasons there in a row is he is he still a guy for you that you project to have a, a good major league career so <clears throat> i was i was one of the only people uh before last season who was kind of expecting him to to struggle in his first taste of double a he's he's a really frustrating prospect for me because all the physical tools are there they just don't seem to really he doesn't seem to maximize them on both sides of the ball like he he has all the tools to be a really good defensive center fielder but he just has never been able to get that great out there in terms of getting reads and getting jumps. So I'm, I'm projecting him to profile best in a corner. Now that, you know, the Padres just based on the way they're, they're kind of going into this season with their roster, they don't really have a center fielder who's much better than 
than he would be. So maybe that's not something that keeps him off that position for them. But um, he also, you know, he has the raw power to be a, a 25, 30 homer guy. Uh, just has not really um, made the swing adjustments to maximize that power without it coming at the expense of his of his hit tool and his approach. So uh, I feel like he's less than the sum of the parts and that that makes him frustrating for me. Yeah, and it's also frustrating that the major league club seems to have six corner outfielders and no right. real center fielder. Um, going to the prospect lists overall, maybe your personal lists, who are some of your favorite guys um, not in your top maybe 150 that you think are going to be impact guys um, maybe in a couple years that really shoot up some some prospect lists? Hmm. Well, I... You know, I get pretty aggressive on the guys that I like. Uh, so uh, I could give you some names that are probably not in most people's top 150. But if I go outside my top 150, then we're talking about guys that I legitimately um, have questions about. Um, okay. And the guys the guys who I like outside my top 150 uh, are pretty much all unproven guys, either from this past draft or this past J2 class. Um. I, you know, I've been, uh, I've been really banging the drum for, for a long time for, uh, Tyler Freeman of the Indians. I know he's, he's probably on some top one hundreds, but I, I've got I shares of Tyler Freeman looking, looking for big things from Tyler Freeman. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's, uh, he just, people look at the fact that he hit zero home runs at high a, uh, and, I just think that they're letting that kind of creep in a little more than they should. He has elite bat to ball skill. Like he, he might have a 70 grade hit tool or better. And he, he uses the whole field. He hits a ton of line drives. I mean, he just puts on a laser show to, to all fields. I think the doubles will eventually turn into home runs, at least to the point where he could be a 15 plus homer guy. And he has really good makeup. Uh, really puts the work in. He's got great instincts on the bases. I think he could be, uh, I think he'll probably be the replacement for Lindor at shortstop and then maybe eventually moves to, to second base. But um, I, I just think people are not necessarily looking at what he will be in three or four years. And they're just looking at what he is now. And they acknowledge he has this really good hit tool. And they're just like, well, what, how's he going to impact the game? He's not a slap hitter. He's just a guy, you know, power is often the last thing that shows up. And I think that he will eventually be a double digit Homer guy. And if that happens, then I think he could be a, a four or five win player. Love hearing that is Julio Rodriguez ready to be the best prospect in baseball going into 2021. Well, I have him as my number three prospect right now. It's just a question of who graduates first out of Wander Franco and Julio Rodriguez, because they both could debut kind of around the same time, really. I mean, they're both kind of on the same sort of trajectory. So I just wonder how much time Rodriguez even has to, to be, a, be the number one prospect. If, you know, he might debut ahead of Franco, so he might never get that opportunity. Um, the shortened season is tough for Rodriguez because I think, I think he was, and, and really kind of for Franco because 
I think both those guys were going to make enough noise that they were going to be strong candidates to get called up around July. But now they probably spend the whole year in the minors, especially if it's a significantly shortened season. So I think they both probably debut in 2021 sometime. I was watching some highlights from him the other day, and maybe he's been comped to Miguel Cabrera before, and I, I haven't read it or something. But doesn't he just look exactly like Miguel Cabrera? But also kind of a, a fatter Cabrera? Is he already kind of a big guy? Are you worried about that long term? Um, I definitely wouldn't say he's fat. Not, uh, okay, maybe fat's aggressive. But, um, Cabrera coming up was really skinny, and I, I'm not seeing that from Julio. Um, well, Julio, I mean, Julio is built like, um, I mean, he's, he's, he's honestly kind of built like an NBA small forward or something, or, or maybe like an NFL tight end where he's just, it's just all, all muscles and wingspan. Like he has, he has just a crazy wingspan for a baseball player. And um, yeah, I mean, he looks really different than like I I was in the Arizona fall league and that that's kind of like, you know, a lot of the best prospects get sent out there. And he was out there, but he just looked different than everybody else. Like he looked, um, like he, he it was kind of like a, a Bo Jackson type of type of physique, where it's just like, holy crap, this guy, this guy plays baseball. And um, yeah, I mean, he he's just so special because he's got this great attitude, this great um, like he he's sort of humble, but he also has swagger, and he. Uh, has just been pushed at such an aggressive pace by the Mariners, and he's never screwed up really once. Like, I mean, just getting sent from the Dominican Summer League straight to low A is a massive, massive jump in competition, and he was awesome there. Then he gets promoted to high A, and he's even better at high A than he was at low A, and he's the youngest hitter in the Arizona Fall League, and he was looking better. He looked better to me out there than Joe Adele did. Uh, I mean, he's just, he's been on such an aggressive track. Uh, I really don't think anything's off the table for him. And I, I think he will eventually be a superstar. We'll get you out of here on this. You're starting a dynasty team from scratch. Let's say 30 teams, whatever format you most often play. I don't know if you're a head to head categories guy, points guy. Um, Soto, Tatis, Acuna, who do you want the most? Uh, I would take, I would take Acuna. Um, I asked that question to a lot of guys that I bring on as guests here and I've been shocked because I would draft Acuna first, probably in any league. And I, I don't see a lot of people taking Acuna. A lot of people have leaned Soto. Yeah. To me, that's overthinking it. I, I think, um, there might be some sort of format where the scoring like if it's points the scoring could maybe favor Soto uh, because it devalues Acuna's stolen bases and rewards Soto's uh, OBP Uh, but I mean Acuna is just so good so talented I, I think a lot of people like look at his stat line and they're like well you know he doesn't walk that much and it's like well what what do you want him to do? I mean, he hit he hit like two ninety something and hit forty plus homers. Like 
he doesn't need to be walking more than he's walking, but he will eventually start walking more than he's walking because pitchers just aren't going to pitch to him. Like he, he's eventually going to be a 50 plus homer guy. I think he, he might've flirted with 50 this year if we'd had a full season. And when you become that type of a prodigious power threat, you're just going to get walked more. So I, I think people are overthinking it a little bit with uh, Soto over Acuna, unless it's just some weird point setting that devalues the steals. What about a real life team? Uh, I guess that one, I might lean Tatis. There um, we go. The, the only thing I would throw in there is I'd like Tatis to play a full season and, and stay healthy uh, to give me a little bit more confidence in, in the durability. But, um, if you just told me I was going to get the exact same amount of games out of all three of those guys over like a five-year period, I think Tatis probably accumulates the most wins above replacement. Uh, are you working on anything in the next couple of days? Something when uh, people need to keep an eye out for on your on RotoWire or on your Twitter account? Uh, <laughs> I, I've got some projects in the works. Um, I haven't finalized any of them, but we're definitely going to I'm going to be pumping out, uh, I think, a lot of really fun articles on prospects and Dynasty League stuff here in the coming weeks just to kind of keep people occupied. You know, I mean, there's not a ton to evaluate uh, in terms of stuff that's happening right now, but there's still going to be a lot of fresh content and then still doing the prospect podcast every uh, Wednesday. So if you go to Real JR Anderson on Twitter, that's where I'll be posting everything I do. Yeah, follow him there on Twitter. And James, thank you again for coming on today. It's I know it's a crazy time, and um, we'll try to catch up with you again when we have some real baseball to talk about. Hey, uh, thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. While you're waiting this out at home with us, you can still have some fun betting at betonline.ag. With no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. But BetOnline still has hundreds of places to wager including their online casino with poker and blackjack and sports aren't totally done. There's still mixed martial arts. There's still the elections. There's their $750,000 poker series. There's still reality shows to bet on. There's plenty of stuff to bet on. I don't know if they're betting on the marble racing yet or the stone throwing stuff you're seeing online, but they should be. And if they're not, we're going to get on that soon. There's still fun to be had. So go to betonline.ag and use the promo code mypod 100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, the fun never ends. Big thanks again to James Anderson. Loved having him on. We'll have to get him back on again soon. And thank you all for listening. That's going to be the show today. Fairly quick, just one interview with James Anderson. No Wade. Wade's taking the week off. We'll get Wade back on next week to go over some Padre news and some list making, which we love to do. Sports, pop culture, movies, we love lists, and we have a MLB Dream Team list that we've assembled, and we're going to talk about that next week with Wade. So please follow the show's Twitter account for news and updates at Fire Farm Hands. Engage the show. Talk to us. Give us your reactions. Tell us what you liked about the show. And if you enjoy the show, subscribe. We're on all your favorite platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeart, whatever else you're listening to it on. You can find us at Believe.com also, and at Believe Podcasts on Twitter. Please leave your comments, questions, concerns, and a rating of the show on all platforms. You've been listening to Believe in Padres Prospects on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. I'm Ryan. 
Talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.